What are the long box guys going to do tonight, Brain? The same thing the long box guys do every night, Pinky. Drink and talk about comics. They're useless to taking over the world. Yes. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of The Long Box Guys. With me, as always, is some of our very best friends. Since I was a very little kid. Mike, how you doing? What the hell were you just chugging? Uh, I'm doing fine, and I am drinking one of uh, the hard ciders from Tennessee Cider Company. This time it's a watermelon. Ooh, Christ, Mikey, how many of those did you buy? Fucking seriously, dude. Josh needs to make beer. I need to give him bottles to make the beer. I'm just a giver. You are a giver. You're a good friend. Speaking of Josh and beer, Josh, how you doing? And what beer are you drinking? And is that your Iron Fist glass? It is my Iron Fist glass. Thank you very much. I am drinking a banana IPA from Treehouse, which I was pretty hesitant about trying. It's the first time. It's, uh... It's fucking weird. Is it like a banana kaboom? No, it's like, um... It's not banana flavored. It's like banana aftertaste. It's not a... I mean, I like bananas, but... This is not a thing. I mean, I'm going to drink it. Don't get me wrong. I paid like seven bucks for this beer. I'm going to fucking drink it. I've only seen you you send back one beer, and you wouldn't even take the money back. You were just lesson learned. Can't remember the beer, but it was just lesson learned. Tommy, how you doing, and what are you drinking? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm drinking a a new scotch today. I'm drinking a Duncan Taylor 12-year-old blend that I got at the good friends at Total Wine. Oh, I like Total Wine. That's like my, my happy place. If I'm getting raped in prison, I'm pretending I'm at Total Wine somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, can I try that one? Can I try that one now? Can I I should not try that one because I got to drive home from here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, the language doesn't really translate well into what's going on around me, but still, I do it. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking a, a delicious uh, uh, Thompson's Water Seal Scotch, uh, $10 for two gallons. And uh, it does exactly what it's supposed to do. It makes you sleepy as if the Sandman's coming. Speaking of the Sandman, today we're going to be talking about one of the many iterations of people who have used the iteration of the name, the Sandman. Uh, building up to the uh, new series that's coming out, uh, that is out on television, we're going to first talk about the first Sandman, Wesley, well, maybe not the first Sandman, the first Sandman in comic book lore, uh, Wesley Dodd. And to give us a little bit of that background, is our good friend Michael Manning, you handsome devil. Take it away! All right. Well, back in 1939, the World's Fair was going on, and DC Comics, then called National Comics, was like, hey, we get to publish a comic. We're going to put Superman in it. We're going to put Slam Bradley in it. We're going to put Zatara in it, all the big names. And they decided to create a new character for it, the Sandman. Gardner Fox was the writer, and the um, excuse me, the artist was Bert Christman. Uh, and their their Sandman was uh, Wesley Dodds, born in 1910, uh, or the 1910s. Uh, I guess if you use the DC calendar from the 1970s uh, he was born in 1913 but anyway uh, his father dies in World War One, leaving him an orphan uh, fairly early in his life because his mother also dies uh, uh, around the same time and he is the heir to a steel fortune 
He spends a lot of his life going touring Asia and learning the mysteries of Asia. And uh, for a while is a fighter pilot for the U.S. Navy. And then he decides to come back to New York City and to fight crime, as one does. And the impetus for that is Morpheus, the embodiment of dreams, is captured in the comic book realm and imprisoned. And the universe, trying to right itself, starts to hand out some of Morpheus's powers to other people. And Wesley gets prophetic visions uh, of serial killers. And so he uses his knowledge of herbs and uh, other things that he learned in the Orient and creates gases. Some are sleeping gases. Some are um, true serums. And he uses those along with a gun that he invents and a gas mask to protect himself to become the Sandman. And he hunts down serial killers, capturing them and then leaving little notes of origami in a poem for the police when uh, the the, uh, police come and find the bad guys. He gets recruited by Dr. Fate to be a member of the Justice Society of America, one of the founding members. And later is recruited by Franklin Roosevelt to be one of the founding members of the All-Star Squadron. He is kind of a noir character. Um, In fact, uh, I'm sure we're going to be talking about some of our favorite series that the Sandman's in. Uh, But he's got the 1930s noir kind of flavor to him. In some different versions of the DC Universe, Sandman is considered the first superhero of the, uh, of ever. Uh, And mainly because Superman has to age progressively, so they have to keep on changing who the first one was. He's, uh, he's also had a, a change. He had one of the coolest costumes, right? He had a green suit uh, with the gas mask and a fedora, or was that a trilby, Tom? Uh, I think that was a fedora. Yeah. Was a fedora. Um, so it looked really cool. And then later in the 1940s, they realized, hey, he's not really a superhero because he doesn't have a garish costume or a sidekick. So he changes and puts on a horrible yellow and purple costume and gets a sidekick. Sandy Hawkins, who is the nephew of Diane Belmont. Diane Belmont was uh, Sandman's partner uh, without actually being his partner, I guess. Um, So she's his love interest, but she also helps him. She's the daughter of the district attorney, so she gets information and gives it to the Sandman to help him solve his mysteries and keep him up on latest crimes. She also serves as his getaway driver. And uh, in one of the all-star squad or all-star comics, the Justice Society is captured and Diane takes on the personification of the Sandman in order to go rescue uh, Wesley. So uh, she's a probably uh, among the golden age superheroes, girlfriends, She's probably the most important to his character as a whole. 
that uh, the spirit's girlfriend was uh, fairly uh, competent also. Yes. Uh, so, when Matt Wagner kind of revamps a character in Sandman Mystery Theater, I would say that Diane Belmont really becomes partners with Sandman. I think they're kind of equals as they kind of go on. You know, initially it's a Sandman book, and then he meets Diane, and then they sort of develop a partnership where they're kind of on equal footing. So yeah, I don't really. Oh, sorry, God, thank you. No, I was going to say, yeah, I, I concur with you, but even still in the early comics, she was definitely his partner, even in the Golden Age. Uh, they yeah. depicted that. Matt Wagner was very faithful to the origin, but uh, really improved it. It was one of the first Vertigo comics, and uh, as such, it was a much darker version. I mean, the serial killers that he tracked down were indeed serial killers and uh, pretty horrific. Um, And he's depicted in that series as being kind of a smaller dude than he is in the other comic books because, you know, he he doesn't need to be big. He uses his brain and puts people to sleep with his gas gun. Yeah, nobody would mistake him as a superhero. Right. He was definitely kind of like this overweight pudgy little guy that you would not expect to be a superhero at all. Uh, uh, he was definitely using his brains. And got beat up a lot. Yeah. Like, a lot in that Sandman mystery comic. You'll see he he, he takes a beating a lot. He kind of reminds me of uh, the question, like, as far as superheroes who take a real pounding doing their job. Almost like Matt Murdock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he got shot in a couple of the comics and was like, oh, I guess I'm going to be on the sideline for a few months while I recover from this gunshot wound. But you don't see many heroes doing, oh, I'll tough it out. Nope, nope, I got shot. I got to rest. I'm good. <laughs> no, I'm down. I'm down for a bit. The uh, one thing that is kind of a tarnish on the whole Golden Age Sandman is a horrible accident that goes wrong with Sandy Hawkins. Uh, a, in it, uh, he's trying to perfect a, a, a thing that turns sand uh, into different substances, and there's an explosion, and Sandy becomes a silicon-based sand monster. And he, uh, Wesley is able to knock him out and then keeps him sedated in his basement um, to look for a cure but doesn't bother to, I don't know, go talk to Dr. Fate, who has or all the... Or call anyone else in. Or call I'll anyone else. experimenting on Sandy until yes. I figure this out. And it's not his first priority, even. He's still got villains to capture. Yeah. It's a pretty bad take on the character. Um, yeah. That's the only time I think they really did disservice to the character. Otherwise, I think this is a phenomenal character. LT has already mentioned Sandman Mystery Theater, and I know, Tom, you've read that also, right? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I like that pulp noir feeling. Uh, uh, I year? Do you guys remember what year that was published? I want to say it was like 95, 96, somewhere around there. Uh, uh, maybe before, even earlier than that. Uh, 1996. He's oh. pretty close to 96 on that one. And the one I'm thinking about, actually 95, I'm looking at issue number 44 is the one I was... Because uh, the the Phantom is one of the ones I remember reading 
where a, a character who does not like homosexual men is haunting the world's fair and killing homosexual men. Uh, a fairly progressive comic book for the time, you know, Sam comes in and, and tries to save the day, and a couple of people are like, uh, gives a shit. And, uh, yeah. Uh, the internet has told me that it ran from 93 to 99. Yeah, so 96 is the one that I remember. That's, that's when I started reading a couple of those. And uh, they were pretty good. I do like that noir look, that noir feel. I, love, I like noir. I always thought his mask was cool, too. And I'm a sucker for the suit superhero. So the mask you know I mean? thing, I no, I get in the original Wesley Dodds version, right? He's using, he's using a gas that knocks people unconscious. Yeah. It makes sense. He's wearing a gas mask. And then we pull that through up until our modern times, and they stick with the gas mask, but lose the fedora, which never made sense to me. And they don't upgrade the gas mask. We've made some improvements. So when they, they lose the fedora when Sandy Hawkins takes over as the Sandman. But the Sandman, in our modern game, and we'll talk about later, still has the gas mask as a representation. It just seems like I get okay, so I kind of get the, the lag of time between he's in captured and modern times, where maybe it was still representative when he was first captured. But I don't know. Like only douchebags wear fedoras now. I guess like you're rid of this thing. Like, yeah, it just <laughs> seems like an odd choice. It still seems like an odd choice to me. And once again, they do make better gas masks at this point. You don't have to wear the World War II trench mask. It's true. But it looked cool. It does it look, cool. look cool. And. Uh, LT, do you remember what he drove? Uh, uh, he drove a, I mean, in the mystery theater, he drove a, a I want to say it was a Corridor Duesenberg. It was a 1938 Plymouth. Oh. Yeah, only, why would you say Duesenberg? Because it was fancy, it looked fancy, but. That's fine. Duesenbergs look crazy, though. <laughs> yeah. Like crazy fancy. <laughs> well, so is a Cord. Yeah. I guess you're not wrong. So going, harkening back, I think I think we skipped over chronologically here before uh, before the Sandman, right? The, just the mythology of the Sandman, right? Where you go to its Scandinavian lore, and the first time we really see this in print is by a guy named I'm not going to remember his whole name, so I'm just going to look at it. It's Ernst Theodore Amadeus Hoffman. Really puts it into the first popular story in 1816. Oh, where Ernst. He actually, oh, you remember Ernst, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Big yeah, guy. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Curly hair. Still yeah, owes me like, five bucks. Well, really good With inflation life, that's like a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he actually writes a story where the Sandman is, it's a horror story. And the Sandman actually sprinkles his sand into children's eyes to turn them to stone, to feed them to his children who live on the moon. Which now, I, after reading, reading that, that like summary I'm like fuck I want to read that story <laughs> that sounds awful <laughs> and then in, uh, not that long later in the 1830s or 40s Hans Christian Andersen writes the much more popular sort of uh, Sandman one where uh, the other thing I didn't know was that the Sandman would sprinkle sand into the eyes of the good kids so they would have wonderful dreams and the other kids at night he would hold an umbrella over them to shield them from dreams, and they would have sleepless, terrible nights. Hmm. I was like, oh, dark, Christian. Dark. I like the first one better, because now I'm picturing that original same man's wife. Are you going out? Yeah. 
stories are probably the first what people would consider, and I'm using air quotes, oh, people, people can't see us on YouTube. Hey, I'm using air quotes. Publish stories, right? So there were both, you know, other, you know, verbal, you know, the, the oral traditions that, that keep that stuff going. But for as far as, like, the first really imprint references for him, those are some of the earlier ones. And then there's also Mr. Sandman, the 1940, Sandman. 1954 song by the Cordettes. Yeah. You can bring me a dream. And make him the cutest I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. One other line, Mikey, come on. Mr. Sandman. Oh, we did that. <laughs> yeah, but it repeats. <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh, tell him that his sleepless nights are over. That's the next one. Okay. After that. Uh <laughs> Speaking of the origins and stuff, I just want to put this one thing out there because I found this fascinating over the weekend. The trope the butler did it is older than the first reference to the butler killing anyone in fiction. Which means we just haven't found that piece of fiction where it became so common that it becomes trope. I found that fascinating. I just wanted to throw that out there. And guys don't think that's true. I think that's really interesting. No, no, I read that somewhere recently. Yeah, yeah, that was just kind of dug up by someone who said, you know, they were tracing it back, and they actually found the reference to the trope before that, and they can't find the original. And I'm sure we're going to find it someday, but I, I really thought that was cool. That really captured it. Like, ooh, that's cool. Back to the Sandman. Before we all go to sleep. Sandman yeah, had a wonder, butler, didn't he? I don't know. Did he do I it? I remember if he had a butler. He I feel like did. there's something maybe non-literary that goes before that, though. Like maybe there were a bunch of murders that were actually tracked down that were that were the butler, and maybe it wasn't a literary device prior to that, right? Maybe butlers were like, "Hey, I'll be a butler." 
kill yeah, this. Yeah, I'm gonna fucking murder this motherfucker. Like fuck yeah. Or, or, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe it just dates back to the French Revolution. Because the butlers really did do a lot of it. They did do a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah, I might have just helped this guy out with his thesis. You're yeah, welcome. Figured out but, thesis guy. Yeah. I'm sure you're listening. Uh-huh. Yeah. But back to Wesley Dodds. Uh, so there's some other, if you're looking for what Wesley Dodd series you should read, he had a long-running uh, backup in Adventure Comics and also in Action Comics. He was also in the Justice Society of America, so you can check out the old All-Star comics. He did have a couple appearances in the JLA-JSA crossovers back in the 70s, but not a lot. He uh, he appears in the Justice Society of America when they relaunch it in the 2000s. But again, that's where he gets. They find out that he's been having his sidekick in prison, so it's not great. But uh, if you want him, other than the Mystery Theater, you should probably check out uh, the few issues of Starman. Uh, by James Robinson that Wesley Dodds appears in because in that one it's a new star man he's taken over for his dad who was the golden age star man and Jack Knight is the new star man and he gets to go meet Wesley Dodds and Diane Belmont and he's super excited about it that he can't even speak even though his dad was star man and he's met all these famous superheroes it's not Wesley Dodds who he's afraid to meet. It's Diane Belmont because she has been a prolific writer and his favorite writer ever. So he's just stumped by that. But they actually, he and Wesley go on an adventure together to try to solve a murder in the building. Uh, no. Only uh, the murder in the building, by the way. <laughs> I was going to say the only murder in the building. Yeah, so uh, it's a... Uh, I can't remember what issues. It's going to be in the 20s or so uh, of uh, the Starman series. So, yeah, those are all our recommendations. Does anybody else have anything uh, about the Golden Age Sandman? Nothing coming to mind. All right. Well, that'll take me over to the front of the long box. At the front of the long box, I've got Starman, the James Robinson series, (laughs) because I have been reading this like crazy and the first few issues are a little rough going uh i'm not gonna lie the first five or six issues is a series arc on the mist who is starman's made major villain and his son and daughter taking over the mantle from him it's just not that great but if you give it time or just skip those first six issues or so it gets really good because they draw in all the other star mans that they've had in those comics. It has one of the best Christmas issues in comics. Um, and he's, you know, he, they delve into such, uh, James Robinson loves the golden age. And so he pulls characters from the golden age and drops them in at different points. Solomon Grundy is one of the characters that, you know, Michael fine or Jack finds, uh, in the sewers. And rather than fighting him, is like, Hey buddy, how's it going? Want to come home with me? And Grundy takes that hero's journey from being 
uh, you know, known as the guy who killed Sylvester Pemberton, the Skyman who was one of the inheritors of Starman's technology, to sacrificing his life to save Jack Knight and a few other characters in the uh, comic. So uh, there's just a bunch of great stories. I'm really enjoying it. It's the James Robinson Starman comic. I think it's volume three of, or two or three of Starman. He's the guy without the mullet. That's the guy without the mullet? Okay. Yeah. Now we know which one we're talking about. Okay. LT, what do you got at the front of the long box? Uh, I've got the back of the long box. Oh. I've got what if Spider-Man had rescued Gwen Stacy? So what if number 24 back from, I believe, 1980? I don't know, because Amazon's such a shit show when you're reading on Comixology. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, this is a story of the classic what if storylines. Uh, what if Spider-Man had saved Gwen Stacy instead of him failing? And in it, Spider-Man fighting Hobgoblin. And instead of Gwen Stacy falling off that bridge and Spider-Man catching her with the webbing and still not saving her, instead he decides to actually dive down after her, breaks her fall using his own body in the in hitting the water, and resuscitates her using CPR, uh, and then goes after the Hobgoblin later and saves Gwen Stacy. Then Spider-Man and Gwen Stacy get married, uh, but... Unfortunately, Hobgoblin, even though he becomes cured later on, has sent off information to Spider-Man's greatest nemesis, uh, J. Jonah Jameson, indicating proof that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. And so on his wedding day, J. Jonah Jameson busts up his wedding with the cops to arrest Peter Parker. And it is a great what-if comic book as many of those classic what if comics were fantastic I gotta agree a lot of those old what ifs were really good so, yeah I, I, I had that issue I bought it at Gail's newsstand and yeah. I was like who the hell is Gwen Stacy yeah. why do I care if she's dead or not yeah actually I think my dad might have bought that comic because it doesn't seem like a comic I would buy but, uh, but just, it was great just to correct you, though, you kept on saying Hobgoblin. What you meant was Goblin. Goblin. Green, Green Goblin. Goblin. Yeah. Sorry, Green Goblin. See, I was going to say that because when you said his greatest nemesis, I thought you were talking about the Green Goblin. And arguably, No, no, no. His greatest nemesis is definitely J. Jonah Jameson. It's poverty. You think so? Yeah. Because J. Jonah Jameson kept him in poverty. He kept being a pain in his ass when he was Spider-Man. And when he was Peter Parker, he kept him poor. What are you talking about? J. Jonah Jameson paid him money for photos. I mean, he was just in high school. He gave him his first big break. How dare you, sir? Honestly, I kind of like He the, kept the, him down. He could have gone to another paper. Picks. He could have gone to another paper and tried to sell those, but he never did. True. I've always kind of liked the, the, the one where everyone's... I remember this one great issue where... Robbie uh, is uh, saying, you know, why do you keep this kid around? J. Jones Jameson was like, I kind of see something in the kid that I like. And it turns out that J. Jones Jameson has never even really wanted Spider-Man to be his nemesis that much, but he wanted to make sure Peter Parker was eating. So he kept buying the fucking things and making up stories 
just to make sure Peter Parker had some money to spend. That's my alternative version of it, and I'm sticking to it. In this story, Jonah Jameson really hated (laughs) Peter Parker. Yes, he busted it's a what if, it's different. In this story, it's a total dead. tangent. But that's your perfume there, Josh. You got a tangent for us? Yeah, so I talked about earlier that story where the Sandman turns kids' eyes to stone and they're eating on the moon. And I don't know if you remember a old horror uh, director in the 70s, Dario Argento. He had, like, the Wizard of Gore. Yeah. Argento, he had some, like, really brutal, like... Yeah, the, the meat first, grinder like, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he almost had an adaptation of that story as a movie, and the Sandman was going to be played by Iggy Pop in the 70s. I and I'm see like, that. man, that should have been made. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what's a like an early story or a novel or something that sort of just missed the boat for you and should now be made into a movie? Like now we got – I mean, I mean, they're making they, – like, Hollywood's clearly out of ideas anyway. So – Let's give him one more. What do we got? For a book. Hanging around out oh. there. It hasn't been made. Easily, I would say, Grover, there's a monster at the end of this movie. <laughs> Stop putting in the reels. <laughs> Why are you still watching this? <laughs> I'm going to build a wall. <laughs> I would watch that. I would watch it still, but I would watch that. Um, and Tom Hanks plays Grover. <laughs> okay. I could buy that. Um, Thieves Guild. We have the technology. We can make a good Dungeons & Dragons movie. The original Thieves Guild novels, I've always loved them. They were both like some of my favorite Dungeons & Dragons-esque Thieves. books. Thieves. What did I say? Guild. You're right. Thieves Worlds. Thank Thieves you very World. much. Yeah. Thieves World. Uh, Tales, of, Tales of the Vulgar Universe. We'll go back to the first one. That was a great little anthology series about different themes living in this world, and I, I think we—I think it's time we did it. It'd be fun, but all Muppets. <laughs> hey! And of course, the king of the thieves, Malik, is the narrator. So I think there's a lot of Heinlein books that would translate well to a movie now that we have some decent CG technology. Sure. Maybe. Why are you oh. cringing, Tom? Well, my favorite one is Number of the Beast. One of my favorite Heinleins is The Rolling Stones, uh, which is like one of the first Heinlein ones I wrote. I read, uh, which is a very little-known kind of middle-aged one. Uh, I mean, not middle-aged, uh, young adult's book. Uh, it's really good. Did, Mike, did you read the uh, the Rolling Stones? No, I'm not a fan of Heinlein. Uh, well, it's it's kind of a YA adult a YA book where uh, a family called the Stones are just making their way out in the universe and trying to to make a living, eking out a living as space farmers. Uh, that might be a lot of fun to do. It might be a little too easy. And I was also immediately thinking Number of the Beast which I like that Highland did, but that might be too hard to do, even with today's stuff. It's a good book, though. See, I was thinking, like, Friday might make a good book. They could or, do Friday. We got the tech for Friday. Yeah, or, uh, you know, To Sail Beyond Sunset or Time Enough for Love could be a good series. But I still like that one. 
That's just me. Stranger to Strange Land's never been done. You're, you're wrong. There's, there's been it? a strange... Yeah, it's been done, it has been done well. Exactly. Yeah, it has been done well. It has been yeah. done. Really? All right, fine. Stranger Strange Land's been on film? I don't think that's true. You know, let's double check, but I believe there was a bad 1970s. Stranger should keep going and I'll look it up. Sure. I can rock that. So what about you, Josh? Selfishly, I would like to see Elric on screen. Yeah. Yeah. I would really like to see. Or, uh, in that same vein, Boffert and the Grey Mouser. <gasps> that was my second choice! Uh, either of those, I think we would... Uh, especially because, I mean, I think with, like, Game of Thrones... And Lord of the Rings, sort of the, these big set pieces, and in fantasy worlds, uh, just the fact that, I mean, clearly Fawford and Elric don't have sort of the built-in audiences that those two things have. But I would still. I mean, they made The Witcher, and I, I gotta say, it's probably not as big an audience as Elric. Oh no, I totally disagree, Mike. Oh really? You, yeah, yeah, The Witcher was. I mean, The Witcher was huge in Europe. Oh. Um, Okay. And both one, two, and three video games were tens of millions. There's of no Elric yeah. video game. Yeah, uh, most people are probably, I mean, of our sort of our generation and fantasy folks who remember Elric is probably not numbered as much as the people who played Witcher Two. Oh, easily. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So. Speaking of, uh, I was wrong. That was never made into a movie, but it was commissioned a couple times and always fell through. Have you watched season two of Mythic Quest yet, Josh? I don't think I will ever watch any more of Mythic Quest. So do what you will. Oh my God the uh, the episode with CW Featherbottom's origin story, which is totally different from every other episode, is just amazing. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Fair enough. How many seasons is that thing now? Don't forget, two. I was not I was not in on Community, and you 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 did. You did pull me into community, but I watched probably, I mean, I definitely watched the requisite three episodes for, for Mythic Quest, and honestly, I just stared at Did the you get to the Nazis? I, I don't remember. <laughs> You'd remember if you got to the Nazis. Okay, yeah, I just stared at the screen in bewilderment like, I do not find this entertaining whatsoever. Honestly. I'm glad you liked community, though. I loved community. I've, I've rewatched community all the way through. I've Ooh, watched. I've that's seen a lot of episodes. I have, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Even the gas like, leak season? Right at the <laughs> beginning of the pandemic, like when I could not leave my 16 by 16 cube, I was like, oh, fucking watch community again. Oh, that's right. You were exiled. I was exiled and trapped, yeah. There was nowhere to go and nothing to do. And I was like, fuck it. Just watching this again. Um, but yeah, um, no, I could not. I just couldn't get into Mythic Quest. Everyone. Everything there, like, just upsets me from a technology and a gamer. And, like, I'm just like, I don't, I just, I just want to kill all these people. <laughs> just no one, just want to murder them all. That's fair. Yeah. It's got a always sunny in Philadelphia kind of vibe where, like, everybody in there is just self-obsessed. Yeah. And horrible to each other. Didn't like that show either. Didn't watch it. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is about to become the longest running 
uh, live action sitcom in history. Yeah, this season. Wow. It's been on a while. Yeah. Has anyone been watching uh, Agents of Wrexham? Welcome to Wrexham. Well, welcome to Wrexham. I love this show. I don't know what that is. Ryan Reynolds and the guy from Welcome to, uh, to uh, oh, Philadelphia. Yeah, uh, they buy the soccer team. Right. It's, it's a documentary. Yeah. It's a documentary television series. And yeah. it's, it's just fun to watch uh, because they're aware that there's a very real possibility that they're going to be the assholes in this story. They're like, these people might hate us. We might not know what we're doing, and we might actually, you know, be the bad guys here. We might be the dicks of this thing. We don't know yet. It's the Ted Lasso reality show. You made that joke last time, too. But it's true. It's not true, because it's not really true. (laughs) I mean, it's not a bad analogy, but it's not true. Kind of. I might have to go with LT on that one, but That's we're true. we're we're talking about stuff that we should probably discuss on the Geek Leak, which Tom has already mentioned. Go over to Patreon.com/slash The Longbox guys uh, and check out our Geek Leak, and all the money we make for the Geek Leak on our Patreon account does go to Elizabeth Peabody House, where they feed how many people last week, Tom? A hundred and a, I think I got up to one hundred and five last week. Not a record, but very close. One hundred and five families. families. Yeah, one hundred and five families. Wow. Good Including job. Including Paula, who's still alive, and I can't believe it. I'm so happy. Nay. Yeah. Paula has gone has cancer, and she had COVID, long COVID for a long time. She went into a hospice. They turned her phone off. We mourned her, and then she came back. We love we love delivering food to Paula. She looks terrific, by the way. She got a lot of her hair back uh, after COVID. She has a oh, super cute um, uh, rescue dog, not rescue dog, a comfort dog as her comfort animal, and he's super cute. His name is Roscoe, and uh, uh, he's like a king because we bring him chicken. And <laughs> he's a great dog, and we're so happy that Paula's doing better. Like we're over the moon. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Just saying. <laughs> hey, I got a weird 3D team. It's not really 3D team, but it's in the venue. Go back in time with me for a second, guys. Yeah. We're going to 3D Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're going to go to Mike's house. We're meeting there to play Dungeons Dragons in about an hour. Okay? You got about an hour. You got about five bucks on you. What are you picking up at Gale's for snacks? Oh. Or any place you can get on your bike to get the snacks. You get about get, five bucks. I'm getting a Happy Valley pizza because it costs just about five bucks. Back in the day, Happy Valley pizza cost five bucks? Yeah, it was about five bucks. I don't remember Happy Valley pizza ever being five bucks, man. I didn't say you had about five bucks. We were kids. You had five bucks. If you think that, I think the Happy Valley pizza, the lowest I remember was like seven ninety nine. We were in high school. We had more than five bucks. We all had jobs. Well, Josh didn't because he was too young to work. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. You have five bucks. What do you get? I'm going down to jail. I'm that Happy Valley pizza because I can't get it anymore. Fine. <laughs> going down to Gales. I'm getting a two-liter bottle of Polar Orange. Nice. Uh, so that's going to be uh, buck fifty. 
Um, and then I'm probably going to grab some Funyuns for Jay and then some corn chips for me. All right. Josh, what are you bringing over? I'm trying to think of like what my what my junk food kick was back then. I don't really remember. There was one thing that you kind of liked bringing every once in a while. You didn't always do it. But if you had time to go down and get JoJo's. JoJo's? Yeah, the big fried potatoes. I don't know what you're talking about, so. What was the, well, all right, so when you lived, there was like a supermarket near you that were like fried potato wedges. I mean. Maybe, maybe I'm high. <laughs> I think so. All right. I yeah. I remember you bringing them once. We all were like, wow, those are really good. Deep fried potatoes. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think. Uh, um, fuck. What were the the Hostess cakes that are? They look like hockey pucks, but they got chocolate all around. Uh, ding dong, yo, ding dong, ding man, ding dong, ding dong, man. I love ding dongs. I love the the peanut butter things that had the the peanut the logs that were the crispy ones. Funny bones. Oh no, no the crispy no, ones. No, funny bones were a cake. Oh, yeah, you're no. talking about the nutty nutty buddies. Nutty buddies. Yeah. You got it. You got it. Uh, and if I and if I was on my way to Mike's, uh, I was on my bike, and just so I wouldn't have to buy them for everyone, just for me, I'd have an ice cream sandwich before I got there. <laughs> Selfish bastards. Yeah, I yeah we know. <laughs> Diabetes, here I come. <laughs> now, not that I always had five bucks, but if I had five bucks, it would be uh, Diet Coke. And uh, probably a liter bottle if they were at the liter bottle time. But that was, there was a time there was no liter bottle. Um, so it would be like two cans and um, Devil Dog and a bag of chips. That was good. And I missed yeah, some pizzas. Shut up. <laughs> Every once in a while we would get pizza too. We'd get pizza, but we'd go oh, for yeah. Palmer House pizza. Yeah, because you could walk to it. Yeah, yeah right. We could sprint to it and sprint back. We were young. We hadn't had too many Happy Valley pizzas yet. No, it wasn't Nutty Buddies. Fuck. Nutty no. Buddies were the, the crispy ones. They were You're the right. Ones that, the ones that had the peanut butter like all the way through. And funny bones? Chocolate and a piece of funny bones? No, Funny Bones oh. were cake. Okay. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about there. Crispy. They were like peanut butter bars. They would have like a cookie on the bottom, a yeah. log of peanut butter on top, and then they were wrapped in chocolate. It, it was kind of like a Twix with peanut butter, but it wasn't a Twix because there was two to a pack. And they were yeah, side and they by were side. bigger and crunchier. They came in like... Yeah. Rolos? No. No. No, Rolos. What are you, a monster? Shut up. Fucking moron. Fuck you. We hate you. Peanut butter gantries. I don't know. <laughs> so apparently so if you know yeah. what the dessert we're talking about is, go ahead and tweet us at the Lawn Box, guys, and... We will read your answer on the air, no matter if you're right or wrong. Or you can send us an email at to luckybastard at com, Or you could just go over to our Patreon account and write something on our wall over there. Plenty of ways to get a hold of us. Or if you really want to get our attention, go ahead and give us a five-star rating. Uh, <laughs> however you're listening to this podcast. and Always good. And we will be like, oh, what? we better listen to what this guy has to say because <laughs> he's got oh, collapsed. <laughs> Sorry. What is it, Tom? Uh, it's called Peanut Butter Crunch. Uh, no, made that's... by Little 
No, it's that's the Little Debbie version. There's a Hostess version with a different name. Hmm. Oh, peanut butter crunch hostess. Okay. So if you work for hostess, this is the perfect yeah, opportunity. Get in there, yeah. Get in there. Why hasn't this been relaunched? Called something else. And while they obsess over this, let's oh, uh, yeah, go to let's go to plugs. LT, you got anything you'd like to plug? I'd like to plug geekorthodox.com. Geekorthodox.com. GeekOrthodox.com, purveyor of fine stained glass prints and Johnny Skywalker rocks glasses and socks and socky sets. You name it, they got it. They Unless got t-shirts? Because t-shirt, t-shirts, they have over at IanLino.com. Yeah. That's right, IanLino, L-E-I-N-O.com. IanLino.com for all your t-shirt needs and Geek Orthodox for everything else. What was your favorite Ian and Tammy cosplay for Dragon Con this weekend? I mean, they, they, I mean, they always do a fantastic job. I have to go with their uh, "Our Flag Means Death." Yeah, uh, I think that'll work. Yeah. Uh, Timmy, yeah, Stitch made that costume. She wow. didn't buy that. She made that costume. That's impressive. Yeah, uh, and it was there's a lot of time and effort put into there. I saw it on the uh, whatever those uh, mannequins are, where you can so you can do, do your stitching work is, and I saw the some of the time lapse of how that was coming together and. It came out fantastic. Beautiful. Absolutely yeah. fantastic, yeah. If you're wondering what we're talking about, you can go over to Facebook.com and follow Ian Lino or go to GeekOrthodox.com. Speaking of people we like, Kirby Crackle, uh, they do all our geek rock music every week. You can check them out at KirbyCrackleMusic.com. And, uh, Josh, have you picked up my comics over at uh, your comic book store? I have not swung by to pick up your comics now. Yeah. They're the two you asked me for, I got. Oh, you did? Oh. Yes. You're a good man, Charlie Brown. Um, I thought I thought you just had stuff that was getting turned over there. I haven't picked up for your account. Yeah, I just got the latest um, Tom King Riddler book. I think that's the one they okay. pulled that came out this week. And what's the name of that place, Josh? Great, great Stories. stories. A terrible name. I mean, I like you guys, but great stories, books, and games. I don't know. It's just too much. Where is that located? It's in Whitensville, Massachusetts. Mm. Tom, you got anything to plug? Um, I was thinking about it. I'm gonna. I got nothing. I got nothing. I'm drawing a blank. Well, let's talk about she. How about she Hulk? I'm gonna plug she Hulk because I think they're getting everything right in this stupid TV show. Please go watch she Hulk. I really enjoy it. It's Megan making me so happy. Megan the Stallion was so good in it. And when they're dancing in her office, come on. Fantastic. And the shapeshifter was hilarious. Shapeshifter was hilarious. She was really funny. Anybody else got anything else? Yeah, I'm good. Then I will say thank you so much for listening to us. Mike, what's this podcast like to you? It's like Drunk History, but for comics. Josh, uh, are you going anywhere? You, you, I, I guess we blew our load on things this year. Uh, I might be at New York Comic Con. Hey, that'll be fun. New York Comic Con. Is that your sector? Uh, I hope so. Are we ever going to see that t-shirt? <laughs> With play poker? Come on. I got, the, I got all the art for it. I could just make the t-shirt, yeah. I want the t-shirt. 
Tommy, excuse me, Tommy, what's the wisdom for us? Oh, I am so going to get my shot now that the uh, oh, the variant booster shots are out. I'm going to go get my shot. Yeah, I have shots with the long box, guys. Shots, 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 And uh, don't forget what I always say. Don't just what you hate. Just promote what you love. You will live longer. I promise you. Thank you for the long box, guys. We're on the road. We're going home.